Hello and welcome to another episode of our show. Today's guest is Jules Chambers. She is the host of the podcast All Things Iceland. She is a digital creator who helps travelers to learn about Icelandic culture, history, and nature. The interesting thing about Jules is that she is a expat from New York who moved to Iceland in 2016 and has shared and documented her journey and her process of understanding, which is something that we we discuss in this episode. Uh, So much wonderful content that we get from her in terms of how Iceland responded to COVID-19, to being a person of color in Iceland, and the differences between here and in, in North America, as well as many other things. So I hope you enjoy this episode. If you do, or if you have comments, feedback, please be sure to drop us a line. We're on Instagram at probably wrong about everything, and we look forward to hearing from you. If you enjoy this show, we, uh, we do appreciate if you could support us. We are on Patreon, and as we're getting to learn a little bit more about it, we're going to have uh, exclusive content coming for you, either in the terms of me sending uh, some, some of my meditations in terms of my writings, or in uh, specific uh, just me episodes where I share my journey in being wrong about everything. So thank you for listening. Enjoy the show. Uncut, uncensored, and unfiltered. This is an open mind. And you're listening to I'm Probably Wrong About Everything. All right, we have Jules Chambers with us. Thank you for being on the show. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. So uh, it's it's interesting the the time difference. You're at it's four p.m. your time, so you've you've had your day, and meanwhile I'm just starting mine. So so you you have that advantage on me on sort of like <laughs> oh yeah I'm refreshed I'm ready to go. <laughs> so you you started the podcast All Things Icelandic. All things Iceland. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. All all things Iceland. Mm-hmm. Now there's a story obviously on how you got there because you talk a lot about being an expat from from New York. And uh, what, what brought you to Iceland? Yes. So this is, you know, my introduction anyway, is my husband. And we met many years ago, meaning like when we both were in college. So I'm what, 34 now. And I think I met him when I was 19 or 20, but we were not together (laughs) starting from that point. It was that he was visiting a mutual friend of ours. So randomly there was a guy from Iceland that I was going to the same school as in upstate New York and we met at a party coincidentally faithfully who knows and we became friends his name is Orre and then he told me he was inviting you know Icelandic people to come and visit him and one of those people happened to be my husband and literally it's like Facebook was a thing and we met that first night and then we kept in contact through Facebook as friends, but very like casually, like, oh, how's life? And he at some point moved from Iceland to the United States and crazy. And then in 2013, we both were single at the same time and decided, you know, to we hadn't seen each other in a long time. So mm. it's like, why don't we just see each other, you know, and, and see what not even see what happens. It was like just this meetup. And it was literally when we got together on Memorial Day weekend uh, in 2013. It just felt like we were already a couple and it just 
took off from there. And I eventually moved to Iceland in 2016. That is a very short version, by the way. Right. <laughs> I'm trying to like, so I don't take up like 20 minutes telling the story. So, so you moved to Iceland, it was 2017, I think you said, right? Yeah. 2016. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's so weird how listening to someone's podcast, you get all these like snippets about them and you're like, I haven't even mm-hmm. met this person yet. So how interesting. You know so much about me. Well, yes. <laughs> well, no, I, there's lots left to learn. But uh, in 2016, you moved to Iceland. How, how was it? Was that just like a huge shift for you? Like culturally, mm, individually? It's, for me, I think it was helpful that I visited so many times. Now, right. New York City is so fast in terms of lifestyle and pace and you know you're just kind of get stuck in this mindset of the rat race you know and I think many people can relate to that even if they're not from New York City but bigger cities especially like New York where everyone's like you know the city that never sleeps and Mm -hmm. time is basically of the essence if you want to be you know considered a go-getter and be successful then you always have to be on the grind and that wears you down. And being oh, yeah. from there, yeah, and being from there, for me, it was more about the neighborhood I lived in, which I grew up in, which is Bushwick in Brooklyn, was a very different neighborhood when I lived there, meaning mm-hmm. when, you know, in the 80s and 90s, <laughs> right? It's like, this, this is not where people wanted to live. Right. And later on, as I'm getting older and soon to be moving out of there, it becomes like, uh, Vogue magazine names it one of like the hippest places or coolest places mm. to live in the world. And I was like, what? <laughs> Wish you like? You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> are you sure? Yeah, it's like, I've been here and uh, you guys were not paying us any mind before. <laughs> now all of a sudden it's just, yeah. So it's ch- that changed so much. And the subway station that I would go to, which was Gates Avenue, it just like over time, it just became ridiculous getting on the train, like even trying to the train. Mm-hmm. And, and this is also a MTA problem to be fair, like the public transportation in New York city has needed help for a long time, but trains would just pass me by in the morning because they were so full. And so many people have been moving into these areas and it just changed, right. you know, gentrification. Way. Yeah. Gentrification. Yeah. And it was just changing lifestyles for the people who had been there for so long and in some ways positive, but and also in some ways that were negative. And for me, I was just like, I'm tired of being crammed into this metal box with a bunch of other people who I don't know. And I just, right. I felt almost like I was just ready to get out of there. So when mm-hmm. I knew that I had landed a job in Iceland, I was like immediately on it, yeah. moving right away. <laughs> so yeah, so it was awesome. good. But you know, and when I came here, I would take the bus to work. It was 10 minutes on the bus and there was like nobody. It was amazing. Oh, right? in, so in, like, in Iceland. In Iceland, yeah. So yeah, it's like yeah. that change, for instance, like the yeah. pace and the neighborhood I was living in and things like that. It was just a lot of things just started getting slower. But in what I needed, it was like that. Yes. And there was room to breathe, fresh air, not as many people. It just was such a beautiful shift for me. And culturally, yeah, there are things that are different, but there are so many things that are similar, not similar, but like easy to handle because Iceland they sometimes call it like little America, (laughs) which is, it's not, (laughs) let's just be clear about that. But it's a joke because the military was here uh, and they used to be stationed in a naval base in Keplavik and, or Air Force Base, sorry, in Keplavik. And so it's- it's This is the the US? The US? The US, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. 
Of course. So yeah. because of that, after, and after World War II, so they were here during World War II, and after World War II, like burgers and pizza and like all mm-hmm. these things came to Iceland. So there's a lot of cuisine here that's also very easily, you know, recognizable from the U.S. And then you also have like Icelandic things. So it's it's not that hard. It's more that the language is the barrier for most people. Well, and and I was because at the end of every one of your episodes, you have a a phrase in Icelandic mm-hmm. or or yeah. a couple of words, and it's a beautiful language, but. I I just I didn't even try to 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 follow. <laughs> I just listened and I was like, wow, that's quite beautiful. But it's very again, I'm no linguist, but there's the Slavic sort of a lot of with your tongue, mm-hmm. how you're forming words. And uh yeah, it was so how long did it take you to sort of learn the language of Icelandic? Because and I'm still learning. And it might have people who are, you know, been here for 20 years and speak it like with no problem. They're like, I'm still learning. Like no one wants to ever say they're fluent because everyone's afraid yeah. of being like, I say things wrong all the time. And I definitely do. And it's funny this month, Gunnar and I are doing only speaking in Icelandic for the whole month of March. Mm. And the reason for that is that it's so easy for us to speak in English because that's how we met and formed our relationship that we often switch over to English just to talk about things that are more complicated feelings wise. And that makes it detrimental for me to learn how to express myself in the language regarding my feelings. So it's been fun. (laughs) I'm like like hesitating. It's like, (laughs) it's, you know, but it is in a way because it's our second time doing it. And it's usually my initiative because Gunnar doesn't want me to feel pressured necessarily. Mm -hmm. And also it's a lot of work for him too. Like being patient when I'm like, wait a minute, how do I say that again? Or like, what is the word for this exactly? So I'm like expanding my vocabulary and I have a private teacher. So this is an ongoing thing for me, meaning it's not like I'm at a place where I'm always feeling confident about it. And right. that mainly comes from the fact that speaking, writing is easier for me, but speaking just mentally, having to decline, because there's four cases in which you decline into in Icelandic and in English, we don't have this in our grammar structure. <laughs> so it's like, I learned a lot about grammar that I had known uh, or hadn't really dug into before and in Icelandic it's like a word can change sometimes up to 30 different times depending on how it needs to be Whoa, used it's different conjugations yes yeah um, it's like oh oh great <laughs> so I'm just trying to think like what is how does this work? you know and yeah but it's still fun it's a really good challenge and I am proud of myself that I keep going because it is easy to say forget it and mm. I do understand those people who say like no I don't want to do this anymore or I just don't feel like it's working out for me because you hit a wall often and then you just have to push through you know or learn how to walk around the wall or build a ladder whatever it's it's a lot of different challenges that you find yourself going through it's definitely an experiment in resilience right you go to a place and there is that that sense of immersion right rather than like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna change who I am I'm gonna stay who I am Right. Well, that can really affect, again, like I was saying, your, your ability to sort of experience a different culture. And I think that that picking up a different language, being immersed in it like you are, mm-hmm. is so it's like soul enriching. Right. It makes you kind of better understand yourself. And and I've only ever experienced this in, a, in very fleeting moments of being in a different culture than my own. Mm-hmm. And and 
you know, is it adapting to it? I don't know what the correct word is, but, but just putting myself in that situation Mm -hmm. and you get so much out of it. And uh, that kind of goes back to what you're talking about, the language. So in German, for example, there's words like zeitgeist, which Mm -hmm. there's no word for that in the English language, but Mm -hmm. it's essentially like the spirit of the moment or the culture of the moment as Mm -hmm. it's changing. Are there, are there, are there really cool words in Icelandic Mm -hmm. that sort of stick out like that, that you're like, whoa, there is no equivalent for that in English. Yes. I mean, there's this one word that a lot of people use that it can mean so many things based off of your tone. And Mm. maybe there might be something in English, but yaya is one. So, and I always go like, it's like saying, well, but it, it isn't really because it could be like you're sitting at the table and you're kind of ready to go and you're like, and you just want everyone to know. So it's like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just like, <laughs> we're just going to go now. Or, you know, like I've, I've also often used it when I'm really like done with something that was exhausting. I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or yeah. when the kids are finished with, not my kids, but I babysit for my sister-in-law because I don't have children. Uh, but when they're finished with their food or something, and be like, okay, yeah, yeah, cracker. And it's like, we're going to go off and do something else now. Like you're done. Let's just move on. So there is right. this like multi-use of this word that I don't really, yeah, I'm trying to think what equivalent and equivalent in English would be. I'm not sure if it has it. And then there are, of course, phrases. Um, there's one in Icelandic in particular, which is the most famous of them all. <laughs> so many Icelanders, and when I interview people, many people say for their favorite Icelandic word or phrase is which in translation is like, it'll all work out in the end, Ooh. or it will all kind of work itself out, right? And since even though we have this, it isn't exactly the same because there is this in Icelandic culture in general, not being able to plan too far ahead (laughs) is just a part of their lives. Like the weather is really variable. We just had a volcanic eruption, right? Like these things can happen in so many different areas. And instead of being worried about it, instead of like continuously overthinking it, it's just like, this is just like a life motto type of thing here in order for people to, I think, really cope with the fact that they live in a place that's volatile. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And dark for so long, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. The winters are, yeah. And, and that's those something are, that you talk about. Yeah, exactly. Those are the ones that come up in my mind immediately, but I'm, I'm pretty sure there are many others. I mean, it's just, yeah, I'd have to compile a list. <laughs> but <laughs> like, those are the ones that come in mind. Yeah. Thataratas? Theta. Theta. Like T-H, yeah. Theta. Theta. Ratas. Theta. Ratas. Yeah, there you go. Well, not bad. Okay. You're, just, you're speaking Icelandic already. Look at that. You're, 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 <laughs> you're teaching me already. But that's that's such a wonderful, like a mantra, you know, mm-hmm. that we kind of have these things or like, it's okay, it's all right. And that and that that does help us get through things. But this is like a shared sort of mantra of yeah, of of the, the larger community. Yeah. And you hear it in like often in many places around Iceland. It's, it's like it's amazing how someone can be living six hour drive away, you know, and they've been isolated in the West York or something and they still have this same mentality. That is pretty cool actually, which, and, and, and that saying kind of brings up the, the COVID-19. So, mm-hmm. so you're there in 2019 when this whole thing 
is going on, obviously, right? Because you've been there since 2017, right? 2016. Excuse me, 2016. So you're there when this is happening. You're away from your family, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, your immediate family. And Iceland is like a major sort of hub Mm -hmm. in tourism and transportation. So tell us a little bit about how Iceland responded to the COVID-19 outbreak. Yeah. So for us, the effect of COVID was not felt until February of 2020, meaning seeing the curve go from one case, two case to be like, whoa, all of a sudden spiking. And many of us were hearing about this virus and being like, Okay, I remember hearing about it and seeing that there were no cases in New York for a long time or no reported cases, you know, and I was like, that doesn't make any sense of all the places. I don't think New York would be like the worst, you know, and of course, yeah. I found out later. It is one of the worst. <laughs> <laughs> but in Iceland, it was more about like, well, how are we, what are we going to do? And as a citizen who often, actually, I'm not a citizen, sorry, I'm a permanent resident. I'm planning on citizenship. I'm applying, but as a resident who is reporting about the news often here, mm. just kind of, I could do a segment on Instagram stories every Monday about Icelandic news stories, just to kind of like give people a snippet of like what's happened the week before. It's kind of like last week tonight, John Oliver, but not as funny at all. So modest. Yeah, it's not it's not funny. <laughs> I mean, I try my best to like have fun with it, but this yes. he's got he's got a team, you know. <laughs> he, yes, he has a den of writers. Yeah, exactly. A den of writers, yeah. So for us, it was like, okay, the government has said that they are taking care of this. And we then had these three figures that came up. So the chief epidemiologist, the mm. director of health, I believe, and then it's the chief of police. And they are all like the ones only doing the press conferences. And I think that was like most interesting to me when you think about looking at the individuals in other places, like if you take the US, for example, and who is briefing the public and who has this power to do it. And so for, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. for us, it was very comforting that you're hearing directly from the chief epidemiologist without mm-hmm. input from the prime minister, who is the equivalent of the president in the United States or in other countries where the main figure of the person, well, prime minister is in Canada though. Right? Correct, yeah. Yeah, okay. So prime minister here, because we do have a president role, but it's mostly kind of like honorary, you know, it's, yes. it's like a figurehead. Yeah. Yeah. They do have some power, but not as much as the prime minister. So it was so comforting to see that, but it was not fun, of course, to see the spike in numbers and the restrictions, you know, come down on all of us. But everybody was like, we're in this together. This sucks. Of course, we don't want this to be a problem. Of course, we're worried about tourism. I mean, like you mentioned, Iceland relies heavily on tourism. It's a big business here. And that all was shut down. And we essentially went from February, late February to May, to mid-May, where, you know, we had this bell curve that you can see. And then after that, even though there were a lot of restrictions, so the U.S. said that Europeans can't come to the U.S. like we were locked out, basically. And so the EU and Schengen area countries, which Iceland is part of, so Iceland is not in the EU, were like, well, we're going to do oh. the same thing to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This tit for tat. Uh, so it ended up being that in the summer of 2020, it was basically like an Icelandic summer 
in that only Icelanders or residents in the country were basically here. There were some people in the Schengen area who came and they, you know. Can you say that again? Sorry, Nishin? What what is the area? Schengen. Schengen. Yeah, so Schengen area is just like an agreement of 26 countries. So they call it the Schengen area, even though, I mean, it's not really like a mapped thing. Like you can, if you look up Schengen area, you'll see countries that are highlighted <laughs> that are part of it or something, but yeah. it's just um, an agreement that these countries have with each other in terms of those people. And then from the EU, you can come in and work freely there. And, gotcha. You know, it's, this makes it much easier for trade and things like that as well. So these countries were able to come based off of how they were doing with COVID. So if they had like a low incidence rate or whatever else, and there's been a lot of experimentation here. And of course, people were trying to, authorities were trying to do it as safely as possible. And we had basically like end of May, all of June and most of July was like a COVID free summer in Iceland. And that there wasn't any like worries about the increase. People were traveling around the country. I went traveling around the country. It was amazing and weird and I, yeah, I just, you almost can't believe it that people weren't there, you know, with you in this beautiful country that's normally flooded with people in the summertime. And then at the end, I'm just kind of going through the timeline of of the summer around like August is, no, it's not the end, but like just in August, we were starting to get like a little bit of a scare that went down, but then it spiked back up again in the fall. Mm. And it was because of some tourists that had come in and they decided to basically not follow the quarantine rules oh yeah shocker yeah Yeah. (laughs) they've had too many of those unfortunately Mm -hmm. so again and then layoffs like it's been it's been tough in that it's hard when people are losing their jobs but the government has stepped in with stimulus packages where it's like paying you know for salaries for a certain amount uh not just unemployment but this is like plan they did with companies so it's like don't lay off the people put them down to like 20 percent or something or or something yeah yeah or or, well no they're getting paid but then you know the government would actually pump money in to help pay for the other amount that they would normally get gotcha and they would do they did that for a certain period of time and then some people just had to go on unemployment i mean it was just inevitable unfortunately and unsustainable to for some companies but there are many others that were able to make this work and it's been a cohesion in this way with the government and companies because it would be absolutely awful for everybody just to be on unemployment who was in an industry that was shut down. And then we went in the fall into like a really tough time for sure. Meaning like fear fear about the virus and the spike, another bell curve and wearing masks for the first time. So that's another thing we were not, Mm. it was not mandatory for us to wear masks until the fall. And that was a shocking new thing for people in Iceland, you know, and and eventually people just, you know, fell in line with it. But there was a little bit of like, you know, some, well, not everybody, but some people being like, I don't have to, I'm a blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you're gonna, (laughs) you're gonna, you're not being let into the store. Like, seriously, it was, you know, and here it is so different. You have people who try to be defiant and you have others being like, we don't care if you're gonna try to be defiant. We're a community, either get with Mm. it or get out the store. And that was just so fascinating to me when you compare it to other places <laughs> and, you know, um, liberties. And I have obviously coming from the U.S., we've been taught about like, you know, your right to all these things. And a lot of the times I think people misinterpret that as 
they have the right to put other people's lives at risk. It's like, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Well, it's it, it's like people who say, you know, I know my rights, and any anytime somebody says that, that's that's coming from a very privileged person. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. okay, like just let's let's kind of go along to get along here, sort of thing, yeah. right? Like, exactly. You know, because we're not the only fish in the pond, right? You know, exactly. And so that's, now we're that's, in a place where. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, no, go ahead. I was going to say, well, well, now we're in a place where it's we're not having cases like that. We're still wearing mm. masks when we go to public places, but we have more freedom to interact with people and hug people who, because just because we it, it isn't a large spread of the virus. Like, for instance, last night I was at a small dinner party for my sister-in-law's birthday, and it was really nice just to go and be like, wow, I don't fear for getting the virus <laughs> at the moment. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 not impeding your life. You know, you follow the rules and yeah. and things work out. So is is travel is it cl- cuz there's the volcano that's that's going on right now. Mm-hmm. Is travel still is it suspended or is it is it going there, on? There are planes flying, but the problem is they're just not a demand for passengers. So right. people from the US, there there's a recent rule that changed. If you're outside of the Schengen area, like the UK and the US, they literally did this last week, and you've been vaccinated, you can travel to Iceland as long as you have the certificate or something. Mm. I don't know if it's just your card. That's the part that's very confusing to me. Because I, I would think they would need something that people can't fake. <laughs> right? like, yeah. Yeah. But this is my it, certificate. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I think the cards, I don't know how they're doing it in Canada, but in the U S there's just like writing by hand, you know, like you've been, it's like anybody could technically steal one of these and do this. Sure. Right? So, but they did open it up recently and I were for people who also have had the virus and have antibodies, they're allowed to come as long as they have that certificate. So that has opened up the possibility for people to travel to Iceland from the US, otherwise you can't come. And mm-hmm. from other outside of Schengen area. And then so many Schengen area countries are not doing well at the moment. So right. they're not allowed, you know, depending on that because we don't, or you have to quarantine. So if you do come, this is another part you get. So you have to have a test that is at like at minimum three, it can't be older than three days prior to you arriving in Iceland. So older than 72 hours, that was a negative test. Then when you get to Iceland, you have to have a test at the airport, quarantine for five to six days. You know, you get the result during those five, six days and then take another test and wait for that results. So mm-hmm. three tests wow. <laughs> and it's a lot. And it's a lot yeah. of your, you know, nose and ugh, I'm <laughs> the last time I had this test, I was just like, no, never. Right. I don't, I don't even want to be in a situation where I have to have this. Is this horrible? <laughs> And like, and it depends on who gives you the test too. Some of them were like brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Don't punch me in the face, please. Right. I literally cursed the last time because (laughs) it was just, it was just, it felt like I, it was unnecessarily long. Right. The the proving, in my opinion. Did you now, 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 did you, when you swore, was it in Icelandic or was it in English? I definitely did it in English. Isn't that funny, eh? Like when you, when, when something happens and you hurt yourself, you go to your, your mother tongue, right? Like, yeah, definitely. You know, well, I I be a, was, yeah, ahead. go ahead. Yeah. What were you going to say? 
oh, I was going to say, I, I could be a Spanish speaker for 25 years, but I stub my toe and I say shit, you know? Like, mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I was allowed to curse on your uh, Oh, no, no, podcast. please do. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, but like Icelanders, they have like some words that are from English that they make Icelandic. So mm. like fuck would be like fuck. It's still literally <laughs> the same, right? It's not, it's not really different. So I can I swear just, in Icelandic now, fuck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I just basically said fuck uh, yeah. <laughs> at that right, time. Because right. I was like, because, you know, they have a like, little tear coming down my eye yeah. from, in huh. my nose. And the guy looked at me like kind of in shock because I did say it a bit loud. And I didn't even say anything to him <laughs> after, meaning like I couldn't even look at him after. I was so annoyed. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to like. I don't, I don't believe in violence, but my knee jerk yeah. reaction was to punch him because, yes. it, because it just felt like I was being violated by yeah. this stupid Q-tip. And actually, no, they don't <laughs> use a Q-tip. They use um, this sliver that goes up even more. It's like, it's really thin and it, yeah. it's just, it's just mean. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, and I know that they're doing their job. So that's of why course. I have to just walk away, right? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, say yeah, my yeah, curse yeah, word and leave. Yeah. So. Yeah. Take your nibs and yeah, I'm going. Yeah, That's yeah. It. Like I'm just gonna get out of here and try my best not to hurt somebody. <laughs> so now again, you mentioned New York was was, you know, they were kind of devastated by this thing. Not yeah. kind of, they were devastated by COVID-19. And you had family there. Uh -huh. So how was how was that for you? Horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> so it is. It's just like, how do you cope with being away from your family? and you're so worried for their lives. Like my mom, she lives in Bushwick, the same building that we grew up in and everything. Right. And I was just like, oh, please don't go outside, <laughs> which is a horrible yeah. thing to say, right? But in my opinion, I'm just thinking like, I want to do everything possible to keep you from getting this virus. I'm so afraid for you. And I remember one time she called me, or I called her, because I think she was avoiding to call me while she was out and she was in the supermarket. And I was like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you can order in, stop it. Yeah. This is, and in, and in New York, it's so easy. Like in Iceland, everything is so expensive. But mm. for her, like she has Amazon Prime. You can get like delivery, yeah. you know, like any fresh vegetables. It's really nice. She goes, but I like to go pick mine. And I was like, yeah. no one cares about what you like to do. We're trying to protect <laughs> you. This is what right. you need to do. You know, I feel like I turned yeah. into a parent and I had to check myself. And I realized I was being way too harsh and way yeah. too, I was letting anxiety for her safety turn into like trying to control her. And that was so scary that I saw myself turning into this. And with, you know, thankfully there was some self-awareness there. It took a little while, it took maybe a couple of weeks, but I eventually called her and I was like, I'm really sorry. I'm, I'm not trying to control you and your life. You're an adult, you raised me, okay? <laughs> And I just want the best for you. And I just yeah. please ask that you, if you don't need to go, don't, you know, I can understand if you need to go out and get fresh air, that's really healthy, go take a walk, whatever. But if you don't have to go to the grocery store, I'd really appreciate it if you didn't. It makes all of us feel more, you know, like um, you have less chances of getting the virus. And she was understanding, yeah. but she still did whatever she wanted. <laughs> and now of she course. has been vaccinated, but still, I just like, yeah. Our parents, right? And, and and like you say, it comes from, it's interesting, this, this sort of the meridian between, you know, control and love. And, and and like you're saying, this came from a place of love, but then you saw it going into like a, like, oh my God, you know, I'm trying to control this person mm -hmm. and take away their choices, mm -hmm. but that's just going to result in a deficit for them, right? Because obviously your mom's getting out because she needs to. I mean, right. You know, I was locked in a in an 800 square foot 
uh, apartment with with my wife and daughter for mm-hmm. you know weeks and i was like oh my god this is testy can i please just go out and like just drive the car or something you know? <laughs> so yeah were, were yeah. you guys were you guys kind of on the home quarantine thing as well over there when restrictions came in that we couldn't be like more than 20 people in a space the job that i was working at at the time so yeah this is in april or something they would alternate days so some people would come and this is like i mentioned we weren't wearing masks back then so it was just the individuals that i think the company is maybe 50 people that work there so 20 people are allowed to come in and you know they were socially distanced meaning their desks were a certain distance apart and for me, it was like, this still feels really tricky. Like, I don't, we're still <laughs> yeah. sharing air. We're going in the same spaces for lunch. Like, how does this make us? It's safe? arbitrary. Yeah. And right. it was very much a saving face type of thing. Like, they don't think you're doing work if you're not physically at work, which I know plenty of people who go to work and don't do anything. So I don't believe in this. <laughs> you're like raising your hand. I don't believe in this idea of work is done if you have someone like an overlord, you know, being able to see you or yeah. something. That's control and, again. Yeah, exactly. And I don't have any against, against those people. That's their company, their business, good for them. Right. But I made my choice eventually to actually leave, which was a positive thing for me. But while I was there, yeah, this was happening. And at some point we all had to work from home, especially when the spike was a lot. And it just made more sense and people were just really afraid. But once things would go back down and like restrictions would be lifted to some degree, especially when they were lifted a lot. It was like, okay, well, everybody's back in the office now. And it's like, and so, and, but some people would complain and say, no, I don't feel comfortable. And it was usually the people who were outside of, who weren't Icelanders, meaning who didn't grow up here. So the, some of the people I worked with, very few of them were from Canada and the US. And those people were like, I'm not coming in. Mm. And the company was like, that is your choice. And FYI, these are, this list of people are the ones that aren't going to come in. So people did have that option to stay right. completely from home. But I think, you know, people often had their opinions about it. Yeah, <laughs> in yeah, terms yeah. of oh, they're just at home. And yeah. Trust me, man, working from home was not easy. Cause it's weird. Cause it's like, what's the break? It's sort of like I don't have a television in uh, in our mm-hmm. bedroom, right? right? Because then that, then it's like, well, what's that room really used for? And my point is, is that if you're working from home, where's the, again, the meridian, the Mm -hmm. the line between this is work and this is home, especially for our young daughter. She was like, Mm -hmm. you know, 10 months at the time, 10 months old. Oh, wow. And she's seeing mom and she can't bother mom because she's on her laptop and she was working harder than she ever did. Right. So you feel like you have to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because yeah, again, you're working from home and you're like, oh, this is nice. But then it's like, you know, there were there were nights when it was like, okay, I didn't stop working until it was five because people mm-hmm. thought, because I'm a counselor, mm-hmm. they thought, well, he's at home. He must be available, right? And it's like, well, like, mm-hmm. no, I'm not, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like, but but, but you, have to, you have to navigate that sort of, those boundaries. And yeah. I think that COVID, that's been one of the great lessons is it's taught me a lot about my own boundaries and the fact that, you know, after 31 years, I realized, oh my God, I'm an introvert. Mm. Right. I don't know about yourself. What has been the biggest revelation from COVID for you? That I was spending too much time helping someone else, mm. helping to build someone else's dream. 
that was my biggest revelation. I, it, I so all things I said, as you, we have talked about, is something I started in 2018, and it was just like a passion project. Like I wanted to just get a, a podcast. I've been listening to a lot of Tim Ferriss and all of the people that he has on there, who are always like, you know, go for the thing you want, try it out. And I think someone had mentioned about, you know, you don't really know what your passion is or what your purpose is because you have to try it. It's not like it falls out of the sky. And that was something that has been so helpful for me because for many years I've been in jobs that they were paying well. And technically I'm, according to societal standards, doing well and I'm moving up. I'm, you know, my last job I was, yeah, exactly. I was chief digital officer at like one of the biggest advertising agencies in Iceland. And right. I was proud of that. And I was also so unhappy, <laughs> right? I was right. just so unhappy. And I was just like, this is not what I really want to be doing. And I took this job because there's this fancy title and responsibilities. And then I get this experience because I'd never worked in an advertising agency before. And I don't know if you are aware of advertising agencies, like, you know, Mad Men would be an example. And it's oh, not like yeah. Mad Men now, but- Wouldn't catch me, <laughs> I'd probably- I, I'd be fired for sure for fighting somebody, probably. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like the attitude is not like Mad Men now. Oh, this, okay, okay. This this need to, you have to do well. Mm. I mean, you it's the part of the culture is you have so many different people that you're trying to please, right. because you have so many clients that you have to keep going and and satisfied in reports and presentations. You got to do the song and, and dance for them, right? Every day. And yeah. in the position, Fuck I was in, that. I can't do yeah. that. Yeah. And for things I don't care Get about. Get your like, own goddamn coffee. What the fuck's the matter with you? You know what I mean? No, like, well, anyway, sorry, sorry. You see where <laughs> I, I am. I wasn't getting anybody coffee, but like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but you know what I mean? Like. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah. This, this sort of like, again, who are you serving? And there's that control yeah. piece, right? You yeah. feel like perhaps you're not in control of your own life. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I uh, yeah, I mean, well, my life became that job. That's right. the problem. Literally, like even my spending time with my husband was on, was put on hold. <laughs> Because I had so much pressure of there were new clients, new presentations, and I want to do it well. And that's the thing that my personality wise, I think yeah. any of us, when you get into something, of course, most people have a standard for themselves. Mm -hmm. And as we get, you know, if we like it, then you always want to improve. So it's like, oh, how much better can I do this and blah, blah, blah. And I just found myself in this rabbit hole of always trying to make sure I'm doing well. And that then gets you more work. Because they're like, oh, you did a great job. Yeah. Come, in, come into this meeting. I know it was unexpected, but could you drop everything you're doing right now and come into this as a really important client? And it's like, I don't want to help KFC. <laughs> right? Like, Meaning, <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. have anything personally against KFC, but I don't feel like, I don't have any passion for mm. getting them more advertisements. Like, what do I care? You know, and- Are they making the world a better place? Yeah, exactly. I, I, yeah, I just didn't relate to a lot of the things that I was- helping to promote or you know bring right. and I think all of us need to think about that at times and for me I realized that all things Iceland was not just because it's not about travel only or you know there's I mix in a lot of things purposefully and that's why it's called all things Iceland but when I started digging into the stories of people here and the different types of experiences whether you've grown up here whether you're you know coming as a foreign national even if you're just someone who's loves the country like whatever it might be and in my own experience I realized that I was just on to something that mm. really made me tick 
and has gotten me to like want to get up and do this every day. Yeah. Now, granted, I have days when I'm tired and I do work for myself now. So I, I work at home. Congratulations, <laughs> so I know by the way. Thank like, you. That's awesome, Jules. Thank you. So yeah. I know that the, the blurring of the lines part, I totally get that. Like yesterday, I'm supposed to be, you know, chilling out and I end up making a video about a volcanic eruption because this happened the night before. And like, even the night before at night or 10 or 11 o'clock at night, I made a short video and posted it on YouTube just to let people know, because it's like, you know, you know, keeping people up to date. And it's just like, I'm falling in, you know, to this, but this is a part of my life and that's why I chose. And it's a very, it's not very often that we have volcanic eruptions here. Mm. So 6,000 years ago or something. Well, in this particular area, it was 800 years ago was the last time. Right. But it kind of depends on which area you're talking about in the country. It can really vary. And yeah, it's just insane that this, it's amazing that it's happening, by the way, <laughs> of course. But it's also like, wow. I mean, if I had a job that I was supposed to be going to, you know, or whatever, I probably would be, have been so exhausted that I wouldn't have been mm. able just to mentally take on this extra, you know, video making and editing, whatever. Cause I'm like, I want, I need my weekends. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> so that to me too, is it's been a freedom, but also it's boundaries are important. And I'm learning kind of how to give myself some better boundaries about working at home. Like you'd mentioned. Well, so w- all things Iceland and I sort of following this, the episode, the last episode that I heard was the one you're telling us about your three favorite uh, interviews in that sort of time period. Mm-hmm. And I think it was number episode 51. You interviewed uh, this person who was the head of uh, like, like neurotech or something like that. Oh yeah. Deco genetics. Deco genetics. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, man, you have a good memory. Me. I'm like, <laughs> well, it's, yeah. that guy's hard to forget by the way. He's, I, he's yeah. <laughs> and I haven't heard that one yet and I, I'm going to check it out. So, but I'm throwing it out for listeners. You got to check this yeah. episode. But before the interview, he said to you, uh, like you had all these preset questions and you're like, well, this is kind of how I do it. And he's like, well, that kind of ruins the flow of the conversation. Yeah, he and it, told sounds- me it was stupid. <laughs> he literally <laughs> said it was stupid to send people questions before the interview. I, I, man, I, I have to say, I appreciate that level of honesty. Like I used to be so offended by honesty mm-hmm. until I realized, holy shit, man, honesty can, it literally can set you free. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean you have to take everything. Right. And, yeah. and, and where is it coming from? Is it coming from a place of kindness? But anyways, so it sounds like that episode for you was a bit of like a, it was a wake up call in terms of what, what you'd like to do with the show. Is that correct? Or, I mean, for me, it was, it was just a funny moment because there are people who request this. So that's the only reason why I sent him this message was because he's the head of this huge organization that specifically works on genetics and has been a pioneer in population genetics and mapping genomes based off of population and coming up with mapping genes that relate to diseases that are really important in helping to then like, you know, uh, give this information to scientists around the world who are developing drugs and Mm -hmm. different things. And so for me, it was like, I'm I'm assuming he would like to have the questions before him so he doesn't get taken off guard by what I'm going to ask him just in the event that he doesn't feel comfortable talking about something. And his reaction, because I didn't, I know of him. And if you see mm. a picture of him, he has this like curmudgeon look, right? <laughs> He's just like- Like a Bond he, villain. Yeah. I said yeah, it, absolutely. you didn't say it. It's okay. Yeah. No, it's true. One of his eyes is like gray. You know what no I mean? No way. Like he's, yeah. He's legitimately a yeah. stern, 
individual who like one look I feel like is late uh, that's probably a laser in that eye that just comes out and like kills you (laughs) you know he's just he's just a really intense person and I in my own way I needed I felt like that was a moment where I was being tested so that was why it was it stood out to me because I say to him you know uh, it's been working for me so far and he was like well how do you know and I and I retorted because people keep listening and they obviously don't seem to like they don't seem unhappy like about back the at you. right and he, and yeah. then he literally just said at that moment let's get started but he just like shut it down <laughs> it was like hey right and it was like and I was like oh great this is going to be a horrible interview he's probably going to be a jerk to me yeah. yeah and I just had to go with it and come to find out like I got him to laugh that's that's part of my you know getting those people who either might be nervous or are just maybe being a jerk in that moment <laughs> to break That's down the barrier. Yeah. yeah. To find something that gets them to just lighten up a little bit. And then afterwards we ended up talking about how when we went off when we stopped recording, we ended up talking about how he used to play basketball in Chicago when he was in like in medical school and then worked, you know, and he's very, has done so much prestigious stuff. It's ridiculous. And it's possible. He also just doesn't completely get the social signals, <laughs> meaning like there's certain things yeah. he doesn't pick up on yeah. because he's often in the news saying things that come across as very harsh. Yeah. <laughs> so Did he has a reputation. Yeah. Hmm? Well, it's like, did you think about the consequences? Of yeah. That? And it's like, I don't care. In his mind, he might have, <laughs> and said that I feel like it's right. still worth it. I'm not really getting too much of a crap about your feelings, right? And yeah. that's and that's maybe where we're missing the whole compassion piece, potentially. Right. But um, my experience with him ended up being more positive than I was expecting, and that's kind of why it's such a memorable interview for me. I, I still, if people ask me to send them the questions beforehand, I will do it. I don't always offer it, but I do offer it to people who are more uh in the news or mm-hmm. who are public figures yeah just because i don't want them to feel like they're and i actually the minister of justice i sent her the questions beforehand which i thought was totally fair and i told her i was you know i'm going to be talking about refugees and i want to understand this mm. better from your point of view and she was fine with it and i was like cool you know i'm not here to be an investigative journalist right? like this is just meant to give some insights but i uh, yeah it's just been an interesting ride so far well, one thing that we talked about beforehand was during COVID-19, there was the, the, the murder of George Floyd. Mm-hmm. And, and you did an episode on that and how people in Iceland responded. Now, I admit to listeners, I'm a little bit naive when, when I think of Iceland. I don't think of, of refugees and, and of immigrants. I think of mm-hmm. people that look like myself who clearly have zero melanin in their skin. I mean, geez, <laughs> I talk about sunburns. Anyways, but that was a, a, a very uh, insightful episode and you handled it so incredibly well. You made it Thank about you. you, not about, you know, the, the, this, the diaspora of people of Africa, you know, people of color and saying like, I know how everybody feels. You're just saying, this is how I feel. Mm-hmm. I imagine people might feel like this. And I just thought it was a really wonderful, you know, message on sort of, to me, racism is the most, primitive thing human beings do mm-hmm. and not everything like you know some things maybe we're going too far that it's good to appreciate our families and things like that to be grounded mm-hmm. but racism is like we're moving forward in society right and if we're gonna let the things of you know religion 
uh, the, the color of our skin, whatever culture we're from, if we're going to let that stop us from having a meaningful conversation where we can get something from somebody and, in, mm-hmm. and do an exchange, then we're not becoming better as a society, right? right? And that's sort of the message that that I was getting from you is that, you know, racism in America and in places such as Canada where colonialism was a thing is, mm-hmm. is systemic, right? Yeah. It's just kind of part of the DNA. Whereas in Iceland, it was never really a colonizing nation. No, so, they were colonized. Exactly. They were colonized, right? So then as a person of color, coming to Iceland, your treatment you're describing is different than what you received in America. Can you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, it is so different here in yeah. terms of history and association, but there's also a lot of ignorance. And I think that's yes due to the fact that people are not in contact often with different people of color. And we've also talked about the fact that there are 15%, around 15% of the population are immigrants. Mm. And that is a large percentage. Yeah. And, you know, as I said to you, Polish people make up a large amount of that, but you do have people of color. And you also have Icelanders who are people of color and mm. meaning they have mixed heritage they're Icelandic, they're Thai and Thai, they're Icelandic and African, they're Icelandic and, you know, they're, they have this mix. And these individuals have a very different experience than from me. And there's actually a new Instagram account about this that I am so grateful for that they did this. And I had no idea that they had seen a video that I did on YouTube about being Black in Iceland and that that had inspired them. I did this years ago, right? Just to talk about my experience with another person as people who had moved here and she's actually the person I did it with Tabitha is much darker than I am and so it was good to kind of get this perspective of you know different shades of brown in essence Mm -hmm. but then you have people who are way lighter than me and who have experienced way harsher racism or racism period in Iceland and I have not experienced any in that regard you know like I've had conversations where you're just like "Mm." no (laughs) but I'm not having one call me the n-word I've not had people you know, attack me. Whereas this one woman, Birta Apipa, who is, who was the Miss Universe Iceland in 2019, I believe. She experienced a lot of racism growing up. And she, like I mentioned, she's way more light-skinned than I am. Her father is African, I believe, and her mom is from Iceland. And growing up, they would often call her Birta Api. So Appi means monkey in Icelandic. And so, yeah, exactly. And she got kicked in the stomach for, you know, being black. And it was just like really messed up. And so here, like people watch media, kids watch media that they're getting from different places and forming their opinions about it. And not, you know, and if they also look to see if someone's different or whatever and hurt them. But in Iceland, you have these instances, but you don't have, like we mentioned about slavery, you know, but... Uh, I learned later on, especially after making that episode and then talking to Dr. Kristin Lofstotter, who is a professor at the University of Iceland, and she's been doing research about Iceland for over a decade about racism, Nordic exceptionalism, and whiteness. And I was like, and I, was, I have an episode about this that I did with her, and that like blew my mind <laughs> because we, I learned about how Iceland positioned itself by using whiteness to set itself apart so that Europeans like the Danish and other Nordic countries would see them as more like um, 
a, sure. a nation that was not established, but more developed because Denmark had colonized Iceland and it wasn't like the same as it colonized St. Croix, you know, but, and it also colonized Greenland, but Iceland, Icelanders, for instance, did not want to be a part of displays that where they would show Greenlandic people and Icelandic people. Cause it was like, no, we're not savages like them. Like they would use right. this language, language to yeah, be like, yeah. we're not like them. We're also white, we're developed, you know, like this superiority, of course, uh, that we're talking about. And so I learned so much about that history and how that comes into play, but being here and giving my own experience, right. Also shaped in my mind, how much safer I have felt mm. and it has been for me. And, you know, you, you have this duality of identify with what's happening in the United States. And I feel like I've almost abandoned it because I'm in a safe space. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, I didn't know how to deal with those feelings. And it came out in me needing to express it and just yeah. give people an idea of what's happening. And I, at first I really didn't want to because it's, I didn't want it to be about me. Like often we've talked about this before we started, all things Iceland was not meant to be like Jules's journey right. in Iceland. Yeah. <laughs> but I just kept hearing from so many people, you know, doing previous episodes that they were just happy to hear my story about whatever. So I was like, you know what, maybe I should open up about this because it is literally on everyone's minds and it is hurting all of us to see what happened to know all the history about different people like Emmett Teal you know growing yeah. up and learning the history of people going to freaking lynch parties right and like bringing their lunches and their kids to watch like it's just it's disgusting mm -hmm. it's disgusting and I read the new Jim Crow when I you know some years back about the prison industrial system and the amount of incarcerating black men at an alarming rate in the United States. So there's like a lot that comes into play for me. And I also watched When They See Us, which is by Ava DuVernay on Netflix. And I bawled so hard. <laughs> like it's just, so there's, you know, you're in a place where you, there's a lot of people who don't look like you. And I had right. a, a moment, cause my husband also is white, right? And I had a moment where I was just like, I felt very alone. And I felt, because I was working from home there then at that point too. So I was just like very isolated and not knowing how to have community around this because I didn't know about some of the other people in Iceland. That was the other thing that was so crazy. Right. And it was because of this um, gathering that we had in solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement and to talk about what happened with George Floyd and like other parts of history in the United States that maybe Icelanders don't know about. I met a group of people who I would probably never have met before. <laughs> and I'm now in like this group of um, a lot of women who are women of color here or of right. different like foreign origin. And we all have similar ways of feeling about these. And in what's happening now with like the Asian hate crimes, yeah. you know, like that, again, it's like all of us feel very deeply about it and are so sickened by it. And we're finding ways that we can help. And this has been, a continuous battle, you know, like of trying to be yourself in a place where you, I feel like I have that creativity and uh, freedom to just do what I want. I don't yeah. feel that limited. I don't feel like black jewels. I just feel like I'm jewels from New York city and I saw yeah. And that has been very liberating for me. And that's, and, and, and there's something like, there's a, there's a lesson there that like, if we could just see people as people, Mm -hmm. not as like oh he's my asian friend or he's my scottish yeah. friend or whatever it's like he's my friend mm -hmm. and i think that 
that's the greatest gift in life is friendship. Right. Agreed. You know, and, and that's the, that's where we learn all our lessons. Right. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, that episode and, and you talking about safety, um, that was like an eye opener too, because again, where I, where I live, I don't ever really have to think about, you know, how I look, right. That's, that's the privilege. Mm-hmm. So even now, safety as a female, that's another thing. Yeah. Like well, I don't, and, when I, if I were to go out at night, I don't fear that someone's going to come and attack me or try to rape me. Like that's right. not something in New York city. I've there, they're literally young girls. You're taught at a young age of like the, how to hold your keys. If you're walking at night, you know, come to find out someone debunked how that like, don't put it in between your fingers. It's like a whole other method of doing it that I right. watched a video on. It's like, yeah. why am I watching this? But it's like, why I go to New, when I go to New York, I will be prepared so, right. <laughs> because that is a part of like, I've had, I had an incident once in New York, scared the crap out of me. This, uh, I was coming from the train and there was a truck that was coming and he was like honking at me. And it was a huge like tractor trailer looking thing. Yeah. And I turned the corner and it's a one-way street going in the opposite direction. He drove down that street in the opposite direction. And it's like Ooh. honk at me and like yeah. waving. And I was like, I'm going to get kidnapped. I'm so scared. Yeah. What and the hell is happening? Yeah. I started running and uh, thankfully another car was coming and that truck had to stop because he was going the wrong way. I mean, it was just like, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> like you, yeah. you never know like what's going to possibly come up there's so much that happens in new york possibly and you know i've heard that even recently there had been before covid there had been kidnappings like happening so much around the u.s and new york as well and this is like yeah i just feel safe <laughs> this is and, a very very it's very nice to not have to worry about that well in in canada in, in western canada where i live in vancouver mm. uh men and women have gone disappearing right like it's not just it's not even just women either i mean you know intense yeah and sort of the other thing that you talked about too is is the pace now Mm -hmm. in new york the pace is just crazy like like you say you know it's it's the rat race you know and what's the what's the stupid thing about a rat race is at the end you're still just a rat Mm -hmm. you know like you're still just spinning the wheel whereas you move to iceland and the pace is different it almost sounds like, like stress is a killer. You know, mm-hmm. we don't really speak about how, how deadly stress is, how cancerous it is. And I imagine that, you know, you moved to Iceland. Was a weight kind of lifted in your chest? Like you're sort of like, there's more room to breathe. Yeah, absolutely. And more fresh air to breathe. <laughs> it right. just, it's not polluted. And the water is literally clean out of the tap. It's delicious tasting. Yeah, absolutely. I just I did have this like, wow, is that what this is like mm. to not feel? And, and I'm not saying that Iceland is the perfect work about life, you know, balance happening here. There are definitely people who overwork, but vacations. So in the United States, if you ten days, there's some like not. I, I think I even heard that not everyone's guaranteed this, which I thought was insane, yeah. but ten working days, and you're not even allowed to take them usually all together because then that's a lot of time away from work. So then how is someone else going to like, you know, help or it's, it's essentially as if the company is supposed to fall apart if you go away for too long. And it's like, yeah. but I'm tired. And you're just a is, drone. Yeah, right? you're yeah. continuously overworked, in my opinion, meaning like you don't get a chance to really relax. So that adds to this already stress of living in a, a city like this. And um, the last job I had in New York City, 
actually worked for a company from the UK and we did get three or four weeks, which the first time I took a vacation for two weeks was eye-opening. <laughs> it was just like, wow, this right. is so cool. And coming to Iceland, it's like, of course we, what, why, why would that even be a problem? Of course you can to do two weeks. Of course you could do whatever. And I was just like, and you're encouraged to do it. Right. Right. So my, my life. Those just, are your days. Yeah. Yeah. Use them. Right. Yeah. I, I just couldn't believe that. I was in this culture that valued that. And the kids, for instance, some kids were in the workplace. And it was because like maybe their kindergarten was having a day where the teachers were having like an admin day or something. So they can come. And there's a kid's corner. Like that was had already been made into the plans of the office. That there was a space where the kids can come and watch TV and, you know, use some toys and read a book or whatever. And I, the first time I saw the kid's corner, I was like, oh, that's weird. Some somebody somebody's kids left their toys. Right? Like, I just thought it was like a strange thing. And then later finding out it's the kids' corner, I was like, oh no, that's on purpose. Okay. Right. And we're and no one is phased by yeah. this happening. And yeah. So this is like kind of heartbreaking, you know, like mm-hmm. this, you drop your kid in the corner, watch TV. I don't know. The 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 more work that I'm doing, the more I'm kind of waking up to like, oh my God, like what the hell's happening here? Like my kid. <sighs> My, my daughter just watches the wiggles and I'm watching this. I'm like, this is some satanic shit here. <laughs> the wiggles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't even start. But it's just like, it's very, I don't know. Like, do we want to be raising our kids or do we want that to be raising our kids? Yeah. I'm, you know? It is hard because I remember as a kid, once we got cable, whew, all bets were off. Right? I was watching Nickelodeon all the time. Yeah. I was watching tons of movies and we did go outside, but still there was this like glued to the television aspect of my life that I remember. But with electronics and smartphones, they're just the algorithms and the way that they're meant to keep you on there is mm. very detrimental. That's like the the problem is that they've advanced to the part where it's just, the addiction is way too easy and it's yes. always readily available at your fingertips. Well, and then, sorry, I just... I, my, did, did you hear my thing beep there? I heard something, but I wasn't sure okay, what it was. Okay. I just got, I, I got new tech because I'm like, I have jewels coming on. And I, have have, <laughs> I have to have good stuff, but I'm, I'm so not a techie. So yeah. things are like beeping. I'm like, oh my God. Because <laughs> go, going back to what you're saying is I love doing this. Like this just, this just like brightens my soul, you know, getting awesome. to speak to people. And then, and then with my wife, she she's like like man talk about being blessed she's like yeah do it but don't forget about us right because i can i can become so like kind of obsessive sort of because it's like i find my thing and it's like yeah Mm -hmm. that's all i can think about uh (laughs) i can relate to this (laughs) but but we went on a vacation this week and and you know i because as a school counselor i get two weeks off and she took three days off her work calls her on her vacation (sighs) No. And, and is like complaining to her about something that she did and it ruined the whole like it was always on That's her mind horrible it is horrible and it's like going back to the drone mentality yeah. it's like you know babe jen like is that that's so unfair that people could do that and then it just brings me back into terms of like how do we want to live our lives and i think that you've you've not only have you kind of stood up to that question, but you've answered it in such a wonderful way in what you've done in all things Iceland. You've been able to quit your job to do what you love and make 
a living out of it. I mean, that's yeah. awesome. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's a hustle, you know, and it's it a is. hustle until you got your things down because I have like multiple streams of income, but I'm mm-hmm. continuously trying to have like more passive income. <laughs> yes. And that's kind of my, you know, what I'm working towards. But I think initially when you asked me about this, it was regarding like COVID and because I noticed how much, it was almost like when my job said, okay, I was, I would try to quit my job once before. Actually, this is a kind of funny story. So in January, before all of this happened, January of going into 2020, so January, 2020, yeah. I went to my boss, who was the CEO of the company and told him that I'm leaving because I'm pursuing my passion with all things Iceland. And they were like, okay, how about 50%? How do you feel about just working part-time? And I was like, I was not prepared for that. <laughs> I was not prepared for you to retort. How about doing this? And I was like, so I just said yes, right? Mm-hmm. Not really knowing, because I was afraid. I was afraid of like the security part. You know, it's like no one wants to lose money. No one wants to feel like you're walking away from something like that. Secure, what feels like it's secure. And so I said yes. And even though I was doing it, it's just that fifty percent started to become like too much. It felt just right. like too much. And then it went down to twenty five percent only because of what happened with COVID and the company needing assistance from the government and this being part of like the stimulus package thing. So many people went down to half of what they had been doing previously. So the company didn't have to pay out as much in employment payments, you know, like a salary. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was like, and then 25%, I was like, it still feels like too much. I just don't want to be here. Yeah. <laughs> just obviously, right? Can't you guys get it? Yeah. Well, clearly, <laughs> clearly you're an asset. Clearly you're, you, you were an asset to your yeah, job. Yeah, and I'm, yeah. If you would have quit, they would have been like, it, you know, and you weren't worth your salt. They'd be like, well, yeah. great. Okay, bye. Yeah. We'll throw you a party. But the right. fact that they respond in kind to 50% yeah. is automatically that tells you that, wait a minute, I have the hustle to do. I have the ethic. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people, they want it now. They want yeah. it now. I, I'm guilty of that. Yeah, me too, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> like, We're all guilty of it, right? Because we <laughs> all see our self-worth. But in order to get that, there's a degree of efficacy and effort, mm-hmm. right? You know, you you have to do it. And, and you know, you've kind of grown along with it. And, and you know, I look back to my first episodes. They're hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I got up to use the washroom and you could hear me using the oh, washroom. Oh, no! <laughs> and, and, I'm like, I'm, not, I'm never getting rid of that. And my buddy's this like, is you, know, great. you know that you're taking a piss uh, live oh on air. I'm like, God. no way. And he's like, dude, don't ever get rid of it. Because that's that's who you are. And you can't lose who you are. Because if you do, then, you know, like I see, I see it all the time. Like I say, we, we went on vacation. We went to this very nice resort. And come on, I, like, that's just not who I am. Like, yeah. I'm an educated uh, uh, farm boy. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> Like, I just like the simple things, but there's people there and they're, they're so pretentious. And mm. I think it's because not everybody, yeah. but a lot, they have so much money that they kind of almost forget their humanity. Mm. And I think that's the most dangerous thing in life is to forget that we're all just humans and we're all here on borrowed time. Exactly. So, so Jules, th- thank you so much for your time. <laughs> I'm looking, it's, it's an hour and five minutes. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Yeah. Time flew. It, it did. So thank you for coming on and, and uh, sharing your story. Any, any last words? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's been fun chatting about all these different aspects of life here. And 
yeah, I, I don't know if I necessarily have any last words that are profound, except that I just don't always need to be. am very grateful for the opportunity just to share about what's happening from my perspective here mm-hmm. and that people have been open to that because I feel like these different narratives and ability to share is so important as we've mentioned about the fact that we're all humans, but all of our human experiences come from many different paths in life. You know, we're all we're all going about things very differently. And I think that's so exciting and awesome to be able to exchange information and life experience so that we all can grow and become more of a progressive society. So is that what you would say in terms of in your journey of all things Iceland? Is that perhaps one of the best, the the, the biggest takeaways? that you have so far is the importance of, of stories and, and interconnectedness. Absolutely. Storytelling is the, like the base of everything that I'm doing. I didn't know it at the time, but (laughs) it, as it developed and I realized that the variety of stories here to tell or history, nature, Mm -hmm. culture, like everything has a story and this interconnectedness, same, like we're all connected to nature, whether we have the, whether we're fortunate enough to actually be within a space where you can feel that strongly, strongly, like in mm. Iceland, where it is, you're so, you have to be so connected to nature. Like we've had earthquakes, over 50,000 earthquakes <laughs> in a two week span, you know? So it's like, yeah, I definitely feel nature. <laughs> it's, yes. it's right here with me, you know, or if you're in the concrete jungle, the nature part is still there. Mm. We all get affected by it. It's just whether or not we're willing to allow ourselves to be a part of that and grow from what we're experiencing. It's easy to shut it off, but when you let, let it in and grow, like in terms of self-awareness and then awareness of others, it all benefits everybody. Wow. And then sort of last question, um, your, your podcast, what's an episode that you'd recommend people listen to? right now. Oh, that's so hard. It's like trying to pick your favorite child. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the first one. I'm just kidding. I don't yeah. even, I think my first episode, which was the most exciting, was with a professor of linguistics, I believe. I can't remember his name, but I remember because I went to his apartment and okay. I was, it was, it was purely like, I don't know if this is going to sound good. And let's just check it out. And I ended up going and we talked for a long time about so many different things about Icelandic and how he is an archaeologist as well. And like this really cool dig that he did. And so I guess, yeah, in a way, maybe my first one is my favorite because it, when I was on the bus home, I had such giddiness. It was like, oh my gosh, I have my first interview. This is my first podcast episode. I am so excited. This actually sounded way better than I thought. Maybe this is a real thing that I'm doing. Is it? I guess so. We're doing it. We're doing it, right? It's just like, so yeah, I guess in a way, I haven't thought about this in so long. That would be for me feeling a feeling of accomplishments and Mm. knowing that this was something that inside was just like, I was bursting with joy and it just started to change my life from there. And look where you are, right? I mean, and, and, and so much more to come. Exactly. (laughs) Look, look where you are, but also, you know, the road ahead. So yeah. Jules, thank you so much. I uh, I say this all the time, and this is this is why this is such a gift that I get to do this. Is I meet such wonderful people, and I sincerely say this every time. But I hope we get to connect again soon. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, me too. And if you're ever in in Iceland, let me know. Where? 
And my apologies, where exactly in Iceland are you? Are you in Reykjavik? Uh, so I'm in Mosfellsbyr, and that is a 15 to 20 minute drive outside of Reykjavik. But you can call it Moso, if that helps. Awesome. <laughs> so I'm not far from the city. Awesome. And, and, and last one again, what was that word, that phrase, the sort of mantra in, yeah. uh, in Icelandic? What was that word again? It's tetaretas, and I'll spell it for you. And I'll spell it phonetically. So T-H-E-T-T-A is the first word. Yeah. And then retas is R-E-D-D-A-S-T. So if you, if you type that into Google, you'll see Thetaratast. And it has a special character, the first word, uh, Theta. So Thur, Thur is a special character that looks like a P, but like they say a P mm. with like a hat on top, which isn't, I'm not sure if that's the best explanation, but it like the P stem goes up farther than you normally see it up top or something. Wow. I am definitely Googling that. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Jules. Yeah, thank you. And have a lovely rest of your day. I will. Once again, that was Jules Chambers, the host of All Things Iceland. We had a wonderful conversation before and after about what this journey, being a podcast host, means to us. Jules is obviously much further along in her journey and her ability to, to make this her career, this passion her career. And she was giving me pointers and gems on, on how we can do this. And it just further demonstrated that here's a person who really kind of gets what life is all about. It's not just that we find our calling, our passion, part of our purpose. And it's not to just say that our purpose is singular, you know, and it, and, and it changes as we live our lives. But here's a purpose, a person rather, who wants to give back and share the sort of the fruits of her labor and make and empower other people to do the same. And that's really what it comes down to is we find what we're good at and then we make it full circle when we try to give it back to others and to help them along in their journey. And Danny Stone talked about this in our episode. And that's that there's the acts of service, right? That's, that's when we really bring it back. Power isn't meant, power or influence or affluence isn't meant to be hoarded. It's meant to be shared. And when we share things, that love of each other, you know, that, that compassion, because that's what sharing is. It's, it's a form of love. It's a love language. That's when we live better, fuller, cleaner lives. And my question for you, the listener, is what's your gift? You know, is it buried beneath layers of rejection, of, of negativity, things that maybe you forgot along the way, what your calling was? And the fact is, is that we all have a calling, a purpose. And when we live in that state, we give back. Now, of course, we all have to survive and make incomes and things like that. So it's a matter of learning how to juggle this. But once you find out what your calling is at this moment in time in your life, go towards it in whatever way that you can. And once you figure it out, bring it back to others. And that's the full circle of life, of giving and of love. 
Thank you so much for listening today for your time. I truly do appreciate you. We want to know more about you. Please reach out to us. Our Instagram is probably wrong about everything. We want to hear from you. So thank you and have a wonderful day. Thank you again for listening. I'm Robert Grant, and I'm probably wrong about everything.